This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome into what is even now more weekend bonus content. We are going to be doing these on occasion, sometimes one podcast, sometimes two. This is a great weekend because we had multiple interviews already lined up and done, ready to go. Hopefully you checked out Mina Kimes yesterday, who did a fantastic job from ESPN. Today you get more bonus content from Kevin Cole, who is a pro football-focused data scientist who I think does fantastic work, hosts his own podcast, Unexpected Points, which you should check out. And we are going to specifically reference a couple times throughout this interview as well. So, uh, yeah. Pro Football Focus, one of the leading voices in this football industry these days. So you should uh, you should take the time to check out anybody who's writing for them because I think they do a great job bringing folks on and, and giving them the right opportunity to get their voice and their opinion and their research out. They do fantastic stuff. So let's get over to this interview with Kevin right now where we chat about the Browns, Kevin Stefanski, and much, much more, including a funny anecdote from Dan Campbell. Here we go. Welcoming in Kevin now. Listen, I was listening to your pod, Unexpected Points, which I introduced off the air here, Kevin. I think it's fantastic stuff. And if you are not listening to it, you guys need to be listening to it because it, it ties in uh, the numbers, the the analytics side of things, which is we know are heavy in Cleveland. The guys who make decisions in Cleveland lean into this stuff full time. They do. So you should be listening to takes on this stuff so you can educate yourself about what the Browns are going to do. And I think Kevin does some of the best stuff with it. And he talked about... Dan Campbell being canceled for a for a very listen it was it was an ironic situation it's a it's a, a question innocuous question asked on a on a on a podcast he's visiting Dan Campbell's visiting but he failed it I want to know Kevin if you could quickly lay out that situation where Dan Campbell failed and do you think Kevin Stefanski passes Yeah yeah let me uh let me just say up front you know, this was in jest a little bit here, the the cancellation thing. So some people may be taking this a little bit too seriously, but it's really one of the clearest examples of something that teams used to never do. And then they started doing recently. And I would say almost a majority of teams are doing it now. And the situation is in the fourth quarter or near the end of the fourth quarter, n- near the end of the game, essentially, if you're down by 14 points and you score a touchdown, what do you do in that situation? And it really isn't as simple as just saying, well, if we're a good team at going for two, then we go for two, and that's the reason for it. There's really the ability here to get a strategic advantage by going for two because if you do that, and the most likely scenario being 
you're going to hope to score another touchdown later, right? And hope the other team doesn't doesn't score, and that's how you're going to get it. So most people in the traditional way are saying, well, two extra points, and then we go to overtime. But the problem in overtime is you only win 50% of the time. So if you go for two first, then you know that you've gotten that two, and you can kick the extra point next. So if you have a roughly 50% chance of making the two, you're going to win about 50% of the time in regulation. You don't have to worry about overtime. But if you don't get it, you're not dead because you can go, you can try to go for two again if you don't get it the first time. Then if you get a tie in that situation, you still have a chance to win in overtime. So basically by, by doing this, by having the knowledge of what happens in the two, it's just a perfect situation to get a little bit higher win probability. And it's almost a perfect situation. So our friend Dan Campbell was on the Pardon My Take podcast, and they asked him about this. And unfortunately, he said extra point, and then I go through on the podcast his, his rationale for it where I'm not sure if he had one. I guess that was kind of the, really the problem there. <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't think this came up for Cleveland. I think they had a lot of situations where Kevin was pretty aggressive on some neutral, even less than neutral, fourth down situations, and they yeah. obviously don't want to push Cody Parkey too far out of his range. And I, I like the aggression, and I I think they were aggressive in some key moments. If I recall, week seventeen, they 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 were up a score and they they got pretty aggressive on a fourth down on their own side of the field, not their own side of the field, but it was just past the fifty, I think, or something like that. But I don't think they ran into any specifics where they were down two touchdowns and they had to they had to uh, to make that call. But I would imagine, I would imagine that he would get that right and use your angle because there's there are there are meetings they have weekly meetings about this stuff, strategic angles for these. I know the Ravens. It's not the Browns are not the only team doing this. But there's these decisions are, are discussed ahead of time, and I'm more than interested to see if the Browns actually do take advantage. If someone's listening to this and and there is an exact situation like this this season where I missed it, which is entirely possible, it's all mush at this point, call me out on Twitter, <laughs> let me know. But um, yeah, I think I, they I, may I, have had a situation. I'm not I'm not quite sure if they did. But I mean, I'll tell you a little a little history on this. You know, one of the first times this really came to my attention was. A number of years ago, and I was talking with Andrew Healy, who works in the Browns front office. He's a VP now, I believe, in mm-hmm. in player personnel and analytics guy, former professor, former writer at um, Football Outsiders, and he 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 talked about this exact same scenario. And te- like I said, teams have started doing it. I believe the Eagles were the first ones to do it in a long time back in twenty. I don't know, it was 2018 or 2019. Then there was a huge explosion when the Giants actually were, were a team that did it on Monday Night Football and people were talking about it. But since then, the Braves, I mean, the Ravens have done it multiple times. I think the Browns have done it too. I think they have. I just can't remember when. I, I, I would imagine yeah. Kevin, Kevin will do that. I think Healy's the uh, VP of strategy, I think. So I'm sure Something he works, like that, works yeah. hand in hand with uh, Deep Podesta for sure. Um, well, let's listen, let's talk about the Browns. I, I First question I'll ask before we dive into some things that are a little different than necessarily big picture stuff is what you think of their big picture this offseason. Have they done enough to put themselves in contention, you think, for a Super Bowl? I think they have. I mean, the big factor is going to be, as it always is, you know, what do we see from Baker Mayfield? But you can't just rely everything upon the quarterback. So I think one of the areas where great front offices, great teams, great coaches differentiate themselves from everyone else in the league is how good can we make the team around that quarterback? Um, you, you can't just rely on drafting Patrick Mahomes. And in that regard, you know, obviously the offensive line was already in place. Uh, the receiver group is is solid, especially if Odo Beckham is back. And you know they added Anthony Schwartz in the third round, which will be an interesting. It'll be interesting to see how well he plays. Very young guy. I think he was the youngest receiver in the draft. Um, but it's really on the defensive side of the ball when we're talking about 
adding around guys like Miles Garrett, who's obviously outstanding, and they had all those injuries last year. So it's not just the fact that they got Owusu Koromoa and they made a lot of splash plays in free agency with John Johnson and Troy Hill and all those guys, mm-hmm. um, that they got Newsom in the first round. You know, it's really that they also have some guys coming back from injury, as we know about. So it's it's going to be a totally revamped system there, and hopefully they can really have speed, which I think was missing in the middle. Uh, but just generally, they're taking lots of shots on guys who are, have high positional value and have high upside, and what you're going to hope is over time that ends up working out. So I, I just get, applaud them across the board for what they're doing. Um, another thing that stuck out to me with PFF's rankings lately, Baker at 10 on the quarterback side of things. Does that, does that feel right to you, or are you a little higher lower than where he came in for you guys? You know, I think that feels right, but it's it's somewhat a reflection of the fact that you know, there are a lot of good quarterbacks in the NFL now, and a lot of guys like Justin Herbert and others who you know w- we wouldn't have thought of before who have now jumped into being elite-type quarterbacks. So I-, I think that's a fair ranking. Nick's fourth uh, behind, I think, Dalvin Cook, CMC, and who's the top of the list? I'm forgetting. I think Derrick Henry. Henry might have I been think, I think list, Derrick yeah. Henry was on the top of the list. So he's fourth. It feels right to me. Hasn't really had a, a – if he has a Derrick Henry volume season, like I could see him going for 2,000 or more. My big question for you is – from from an analytics side of the, you know, what does he do for your war? What does he do for a bunch of different things on the numbers side? And and I, I certainly see that there's the opposite of the spectrum, which is the the running backs don't matter crowd. And then there's kind of the middle ground. And then there's like every single one of these guys, Kevin, have gotten another contract. We have not seen. I know it's talked about. You know, everybody has kind of broaches this topic of well, I guess Le'Veon Bell, but he got another contract from someone else. So it's like. It's just, it's so rare to see these guys, although it's talked about and teased and the Browns don't want it, maybe the Browns will be the one to break the trend and don't give a running back a second contract. I could see that, but I guess I'm still in believe it when I see it mode because I think he's that special. So it's like to let him walk when you could keep him around through, I think what will be like the perfect part of his prime is tough for me to envision. Do you think they have the, I guess for lack of a better word, the balls to do that, to let him go? Um... Probably not, <laughs> but I think it would just—it would definitely be too early to think about doing that before we get into, you know, franchise tag type of situation. I mean, he still has here, you know, the, a cheap, cheap year on his on his contract, right? So I think you want to take it take advantage of that going forward. And then as a second round pick, you don't have that fifth year option, but. The franchise tag is something that may be on the table going forward. I mean, they also have Kareem Hunt, and they signed. So that's that's the biggest factor, I think, when we talk about not only the workload that we've seen from Nick and you know what what he may be what his value may be to the Browns is Kareem Hunt's a really great running back. I mean, this is another guy who's probably in his own right a top ten ish sort of running back. So having both those guys in the backfield together, it probably complicates the situation a little bit for them going forward for the fact that they extended. They extended Hunt, but it's only a two-year extension. So I think mm-hmm. that let me let me check to make sure how long he's signed for. I think he has signed through 2022. So he signed through at the end of next year. So that's really going to be the decision. Are they going to want to roll with him, um, or are they going to want to see about a franchise tag and then possible extension for uh, Chubb going forward? Yeah, it's 
the thing that I guess is nice is they haven't really put any Derrick Henry miles on him. You know, they haven't had to, mm-hmm. they haven't had to do that to him, but by, by virtue of, well, the first year he was just refused to being played <laughs> as a rookie. Uh, we all know how that went. Now that guy is somehow being talked about as the lead back. And I know you're just talking about that on your pod about Jacksonville. Yeah. Now he's blocking another, another, uh, <laughs> another running back. Yeah. Unbelievable. But, um, well, it's very believable in that situation, but he, he hasn't had a ton of miles and, um, has been able to avoid major injury. So I like listen, I I'll just say that I see it as if they let him go, I believe it when it happens. So it could happen. It's not impossible, especially given the way they think about things and the approach that they've obviously proven is a little different sometimes, but I also think as far as fans of 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 the Browns and the ones who try to really lean into the analytics don't see some of the football decisions they still make. They still try to balance the air quote football guy decisions into some of these things. So that's kind of why I lean back the other way. But we're not here to necessarily break up this running back conversation because it just feels like something we could talk about all the time. I do want to talk about a big thing that hasn't really been discussed is where the fantasy values is. Everyone who listens to this plays fantasy football. There's not a doubt in my mind. I haven't talked about it enough. I probably don't talk about it enough because it's a big angle for some of us who are homers and want to pick Browns players. And it's like, which Browns players can I bank on uh, being effective players? So I wanted to bring you in to talk about some of those guys like I guess my question is, if you want, we'll start with this. If you want Baker in your situation, I know there are different types. We'll just say year to year fantasy. Um, you probably you probably shouldn't overreach for him. I guess this comes down to like, do you think he has a better year this year than he did last year? Kind of thing. You like, you know, if you're gonna kind of jump up and take him relatively earlier than than maybe some of his guys in that range around him. Um, do you think he has higher fantasy value this year than he did going into? Like last year, I'm all over the place right now, man. Last year, I, I think people thought that he was going to have a step back in terms of sheer volume. I think they started to put some things on his plate by the end of the year that tells me they're going to up the volume of throws they have this year and, and try to take away some of the uh, predictability from what he's doing. So I'm actually higher on Baker going into this year than I was last year. Where are you kind of at on on fantasy from him? Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, we I mentioned the offensive line. I mentioned the fact that they build around a little bit more with Anthony Schwartz there. So they're they're giving another weapon. Hopefully Beckham can stay healthy. But the biggest thing which you hinted at is the fact that he's probably going to see more volume this year. I mean, if you look at the the team, right, rushing, I think they had uh, – Browns had 501 pass attempts last year and then 495 rushing attempts. I mean, that's pretty wild for a not – you know, uh, non-Ravens team, basically. Like, the mm-hmm. Ravens are in their own category for what they do. But for a non-Ravens team to be able to be a 50-50 split in today's NFL where we're, you know, over 60% now for for what teams are doing passing the ball, that alone for Baker is go- just going to get him a lot more attempts, a lot more reps, a lot more ability to compile points. And I think we've we've come a long way from a couple of years ago. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Coming out of his rookie season where he was a top 10 you know mvp candidate by the odds he was a top 10 quarterback in fantasy leagues all that sort of stuff i mean i'm looking right now he's in the 17 18 range so i round guys like the only people who are lower than him are, are maybe like your daniel jones carson wentz types who have struggled mightily since then mm-hmm. so he's just really cheap right now and I, I don't see a reason why you you wouldn't want to draft him at that price i mean maybe if you can you know, go up and get someone else a little bit higher, there's ability there. But he definitely has upside to surprise what our baseline expectation is. It's going to be such a run-dominant offense. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It is. Well, talking about the run side of things, people, here's a theory I have. You can tell me if I'm stupid. I think people undervalue Nick Chubb now because they, they're afraid of Kareem Hunt. So people become so afraid of taking Nick because they don't view him in maybe the Saquon, CMC, Alvin Kamara, um, you know, Dalvin, Derrick Henry mold because they think he's He's going to get so many carries eaten up. I think that he becomes undervalued. Like, I'm still taking him in the first round if I have the opportunity. I, I mean, we we saw what he was in. I just think he's a better player than Kareem. I don't think that's really debatable. I think that there's things in, in different schemes that work for different guys, but this is the perfect scheme for Nick because he's such a vision, patience-based runner, and this offense requires that. He, he sees things at a beat or two ahead of most people and even Kareem. And I still, I think you guys rank Kareem 10th. I think he's perfectly fit at the 10th best running back in the league. And you could argue he could be better given if he got more volume, you know, more like his Kansas city days. But I think that there's a level to this where people should still be drafting Nick really high. I don't think you should fear uh, a really heavy split. And I think people view last year slanted, not remembering that he missed three heavy running games. Like when he was out, those games were predicated on running the football they needed him, and he wasn't there. And I think he does. He's, he's hitting 1,500 yards, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Nick right now, it looks like he's the round running back eight um, mm-hmm. in different leagues. And the thing is, a lot of these leagues are, you know, you get point per reception leagues. And that's really the rub when it comes to how you're going to value Nick because he's just not – that involved in, in the passing game versus what, what Kareem Hunt was. I mean, you're right that he missed some games last year, but he was targeted you know fewer than 20 times last year. He had, he had 18 targets versus 51 for Kareem Hunt. So, you know, he, he, someone like Derrick Henry is in a similar situation, right, where he's not targeted often, but he's getting 350 carries <laughs> in a mm-hmm. season. So it's that, that wipes out some of those concerns. So the concern with Hunt is that if you don't have this super run dominant offense that – Overall, he's still going to have a great season, but in certain games, and especially games where they're trying to play coming from behind, if they prioritize putting Kareem Hunt in there, there can be some weeks where Nick Chubb just has really bad fantasy performances just for the fact that they're not running the ball with enough volume to get it to him. 
Let's talk wide receiver too. I, 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 what are you expecting from Odell? I think people have this, you know, presumption that he's going to come back and be fine and he's ready to bounce. But I, I don't know if he's going to be ready to be himself until midseason. I just, he is such a violent cutter, uh, and I, that sounds really strange to say. He's, he's just very, he, he, the way he puts stress on important ligaments in his body because he is, he's naturally obviously fluid. Uh, but but he's a really hard stop guy, getting in and out of cuts. And I just have a lot of fear about con- con- just thinking that he's going to hit the ground running in week one. I think he'll be active, but I think there's going to be a very limited route tree there. So I'm not sure I view Odell, although I think Odell can have a nice season. I'm not saying that from a real football standpoint, but from a fantasy perspective, like... Uh, I'm not. I'm not really touching him very early, and I, I guess this comes to where do you think Rashard Higgins should be selected a little higher than people expect, or do you see somebody at the bottom of the roster like Anthony Schwartz or DPJ? Or I mean, you know, Rashard Higgins, he's a tough one. <laughs> he's a really tough one because you could see picking him in the middle rounds and liking it, but maybe he only ends up getting volume that that, that gets him at an end of the draft stash or like a free agent type. So I guess I'm asking what your opinion on is on this wide receiver room in general. Like, who do you think really produces this year? Jarvis, obviously the safest bet, but you just you're so capped there. Yeah, yeah, I think Jarvis is definitely the safest bet. I mean, I think the the Schwartz pick was probably a direct result of when Odell went down. That you looked out and you say your top three receivers at that point are Jarvis Landry, uh, Rashad Higgins, and then probably Hooper at, at tight end. And, you know, these are like four, eight, four, seven, 40 yard dash type of guys. Mm-hmm. Like it's probably, it might've been the slowest top three receiving options that any team in the entire NFL had at that point. So I think that's one reason they're bringing in the burner. And because of that, it's, it probably does cap someone like Higgins's upside, even in the situation where there is another Odell Beckham injury and he gets in there a little bit more often. I mean, I think Hooper is probably a guy I know it's not it's tight end, it's not wide receiver, but he's probably a guy who's pretty lowly valued right now. I think he's around the twentieth tight end off of the board behind guys like Cole Komet and Rob Gronkowski and uh, Tyler Higby and some other guys who, who you know, these guys may have great seasons, but I feel like there could be some more volume for him there. He had a good rapport with with Baker. And yeah, the Odell situation, you're right about I mean, the injury history is very significant. For, for him it's not the catastrophic injuries like we've seen with the ACL tear uh last year but you know he had everything from ankle and toe sprains to multiple grade one hamstring pulls where he missed significant amount of times I think he, I think he had a grade three where he tore his hamstring in 2014 where he came back and had that amazing rookie season but still it, and then he had you know the the um the sports hernia and hip strains and things like that. So he, it's not just the ACL with him. There have been a, a lot of different injuries, and he has one of the highest chances of a re-injury rate, according to some different sites I've seen who try to calculate that out. They, they put it as somewhere around like a 70 80% chance that he's going to miss significant time, and they project him for missing three and a half, four games this year probably. It's fair. It's it, it's so hard because that injury didn't happen in camp. It happened, what, week seven? So yeah. you're already behind the ball there. You got a position that involves violent cutting all the time, especially from him to create the separation that makes him so special. It's like, it's hard, man. It's really hard to see. It. And like, I, I, I just think that there's a world in which he's not ready by week one. I just think it, there, there's a world in which he doesn't uh, get ready for week one quite yet and comes back maybe mid season, which should be okay if he's if he's himself, right? Like, 
I just don't think the data is also very kind. You're talking about the data from like a percentage standpoint. The data is not kind on guys coming back at his age, 28, 29 at wide receiver and ever being the same guy again. I don't think that's being yeah. talked about enough. There's just not, there are not many great examples of it and that sucks. It's really hard um, for, for, for the, I guess his expectations and uh, for what, for what the Browns paid for and ultimately have received from that player in the time that he's been with Cleveland. And I, I'm hoping for the best. I'm all about it. I mean, I, I, I think he, he is a great, I think he's an underrated good person who cares a lot about the team and he gets a bad rap. And I, I think it's, it just would be great if they could find a way to make it work for him. And I just don't know if that's feasible, especially considering this injury. But he's a freak of nature, so maybe he's the one to change that sort of thing. He's a great – he puts a lot of work in. We'll see how it shakes mm-hmm. out. Yeah, You talk tight ends. You talk Hooper. Uh, a disappointing season. Surprising drop number last year that I don't think will carry over to this year. I don't think he, – he's just never had that issue before. And some of it's because Baker really can write rifle a football. Like some guys don't don't. Really, I think Baker's. Yeah. There are Not times where Baker sometimes. Yeah. sometimes needs to to peel a little bit off of that throw, uh, but that's not in his mo. So I I, th- I think I'm, I'm a ton of conjecture here. I'm hoping that there is a level to. I've played with this guy a year now. I know when I come off of this ten yard dig, it's not going to be a, a sort of touch though. It's going to be put right into my <laughs> right into my target area here, and I better have my hands ready. So there's some of that stuff with getting your head around how quick you have to get out of a cut. I think Hooper's ready for a better year. Does that better year turn into finishing out his contract? I don't know. Because I think David Njoku, who ultimately was their most effective tight end, just not much volume, is is set to be featured a little bit more. So I think while I think Hooper will play better this year, I think that Njoku should see an increase in targets, and that might ultimately cancel it out. Does that make sense? No, that definitely makes sense. And, you know, Harrison Bryant, rookies typically don't do a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So... He was he wasn't highly highly productive, but you know he was a guy who I think he won the Mackey Award his last season in college. He is a a moved guy who who can who can catch the ball. So if he develops, I think that really gives a window into some flexibility on them for potentially letting letting Hooper go at some point. I mean that was a big that was a fairly big contract in free agency, and I, I also think going back to wide receivers for a second. I mean it'll be really interesting to see what the Browns do. After this season at that position, I thought they might entertain going with a receiver earlier this year to try to get a year ahead of the fact that, you know, next year they can really cut Odell without having any sort of cap charge. And then even for Jarvis, who I think would be a little bit more difficult for them to to cut just because of what he brings to the team overall. But, he, you know, Jarvis will have a sixteen point six million dollar cap number next year. So maybe they'll, they'll re, 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 rework something on his cap. But that receiver room could change quite a bit. I feel yeah, like for next season too, it's it's going to. They can't carry that number in the next year. Whether that re, if it's going to means restructures, that's possible. Uh, but in in reality, it can't. It probably. I'm trying to be careful with my words here. It probably <laughs> will not involve both of those LSU guys being here. I, I could yeah. see a situation where neither of them are here. I think that they were very, very interested in Rondale Moore in the late 40s. And then he got snatched mm. up. And then when Rondale yeah. Moore got snatched up, it was like, okay, we really like JOK. Let's make sure we get somebody we really like here. It's just a hunch I had uh, based on some numbers and things like that. And so some of the things yeah. Dee Podesta said in building the Browns around the guys we really liked, uh, a couple guys we liked went here. And I was like, okay, I think they really like that because they took Schwartz, who's – a lesser version in terms of a of a of a of a total talent, 
but they do the same thing. There, there are a lot of jet sweep guys, guys that if you get the ball in their hands in space can make people miss and uh, just run away from people. I think Schwartz is a lesser version of that, so I certainly see the correlation there. But anyway, the wide receiver room in Cleveland, we talk about this year maybe D-tackle, linebacker, the most fascinating things to me. Without a doubt, 2022 wide receiver, what they're going to do there is uh, is is all over the board. I, it'll all so much will be decided. You know, a guy like Rashard Higgins, who's just been so solid in his time here and has come back for cheap contracts and has been pretty productive for the money they've given him. Do they see a future with him? DPJ Schwartz. It's like okay, you like those guys, but are any of those guys a, a true number two? They're not going to be a number one. So if you go get a guy in the first round. Next year, whoever it is, targeting maybe one of the Ohio State kids, it's like you want those guys to come in and be a wide receiver one right away, and that's always a tough ass, so I hate that situation. But you know, a lot of teams have to do it, so uh, yep. it'll it'll be fascinating. So, Kevin, listen, man, um, this was fun. We could probably do an hour worth of this stuff, but we only have so many guys to talk about. We're not going to talk about the Browns kicker situation for fantasy. We're not going to talk about defense, although I think the defense might be a pretty good pickup this year for a change. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I liked it last year in particular, too, just because uh, Burrow, for as great as he looked, uh, he was he was a sack taking machine. So they had, they had a lot of uh, opportunities there. And I, I think this season, unfortunately, it's not the greatest division, like I said, to plan because Ben gets rid of the ball in about point two seconds every single time. But yeah. the, the turnovers, they're going to have a lot more speed. And I think that's going to be key. And what you're hoping for on defense is really your turnovers, your sacks, those types of big plays more so than. D- teams that can shut but shut them down and just grind out a low scoring game you need those big plays and I think they're they're going to have a few more guys this year who can make those plays because they can cover the field better essentially yeah they're they're definitely banking on a few more turnovers they, they actually had pretty good turnover luck last year but yeah they um, did m- more overall uh yardage situation they, they just gave up a ton of yards they got lucky with turnovers I think they're still thinking they can create some obviously who they brought in, but they're also hoping for getting off the freaking field on third down. That'd be nice for a change for Cleveland. So anyway, Kevin, tell everybody where they can find your stuff, man, because I think you're fantastic and they need to be checking it out. Yeah, go ahead. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin Cole PFF. And you mentioned the podcast, Unexpected Points. Go ahead and join the YouTube commenters uh, trashing me about canceling Mm -hmm. Dan Campbell. And Mm -hmm. then, of course, I have different analysis that I put out at least a couple of pieces every single week on goodoldpff.com. You're the man, Kevin. Thanks for your time. All right. Thanks, Jack. Okay. And that concludes what was now seven days of podcasting this week. And I hope you guys enjoyed all of them. We will have fun guests coming up. We'll do a mailbag with Stephen Thomas tomorrow uh, that will should be on YouTube. We'll post that live. Uh, the audio will be up Monday. We're trying to do mailbag Mondays. And then Monday night, Lane Atkins joins us here from the OBR as well. That will be That'll be a fun episode as well because there's a ton of things going on internally that we would like to ask Lane about. So make sure you check that one out among several other great guests coming up for the week. So we appreciate your support. Like, subscribe, give us a review on iTunes. We always appreciate that stuff. Even a written review would be great. That's always awesome too. But don't feel forced to do so if you don't like the podcast. Maybe just keep that part to yourself. Or, or leave a review, whatever you want to do. Totally your call. But, but you know, I appreciate a little bit of kindness would be great. I don't know. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy your Sunday or your Monday or whenever you're listening to this. Have a great kickoff to the next week. We'll be back tomorrow night. And until then, as usual, go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.